one of my favorite movie makers over the last few years is a guy named Christopher Nolan. He's a writer, director, producer, and um, he's most well known for probably for this latest series of Batman movies. Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. And in the middle of those, he, he did a, another movie called Inception, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you don't like Inception, um, you're wrong. Um, and so just a great movie. He writes these really smart movies that have endings that you can't really figure out. And in fact, uh, an inception, it, it leaves you with this kind of questioning. And in your own mind, you have to figure out what you think happens at the end. And so he writes these really smart things. But one of his very first movies was a movie called Memento. And it came out several years ago. And it's this interesting story about a guy whose wife gets murdered. And he in the movie, is trying to figure out who murdered his wife. The problem that complicates it is that whoever murdered his wife also knocked him in the head, and it makes him have this form of amnesia where he can't remember anything new for very long. And so he develops a system of writing notes and getting tattoos and taking pictures and all of these things to try to piece together what he thinks happened with his wife's murder. And in the midst of that, he's also trying to remember and think about Who he is. Now, in the midst of that, characters come along and try to convince him um, of who they think he ought to be for their own purposes. Using his amnesia against him, they they talk about his past and who he is and their intentions and what he ought to be doing. And as the movie progresses, the, the viewer begins to doubt whether Leonard's version of the story is true. And whether the movie has portrayed for you the true Leonard. And in one important scene, uh, one of his friends, so-called, comes to him and says, you don't even know who you are anymore. And he says, oh, of course I do. I'm Leonard Shelby. I'm from San Francisco. And the guy looks at him and says, no, that's who you were. Maybe it's time to start investigating who you are. What follows is a series of revelations that makes him question his own identity in a typical kind of Christopher Nolan fashion. It goes towards this ending that leaves some ambiguity for the viewer about what has been happening. We started a new series last week called Who Do You Think You Are? out of the book of Ephesians. Partially because I believe as Christians sometimes, people that are followers of Jesus Christ, we are kind of like Leonard. And we have this condition where we're continually forgetting who we are in Christ. We let other things fill that void. We let other things fill our identity. And we try to scrap together pieces from all kinds of sources to help us to understand who we are. But in the end, we struggle with our identity. In fact, we talked about last week that a question that can tell a lot about us and who we are and where we're going and what we think of ourselves and what our purpose in life is, is just simply answering the question, I am blank. How would you introduce yourself? How would you say to somebody, this is who I am? How would you fill in the blank saying there, this is who I am? I am. We went through a long description of depending on our stage of life and where we are, it might determine how we answer the question I am. But in the end, the result gives a view into our soul, into our life, into our being when we answer that question. And last week, we started with a description from Ephesians chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we'll kind of move slowly through it, and you can just kind of follow along as I read in a moment. But Ephesians chapter 1, 
In the first part of it, we got this answer last week, and that was that we are blessed. That, that if you are a follower, if you are in Christ, that you have been blessed by God, and you have this amazing thing that God has done for you. In fact, the whole first part of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse through 1 through 14, is telling us what God has done for us. How we ought to appreciate what God has done for us. But this week, it's going to shift a little bit. And as we talked last week about being blessed, this week we're going to shift to the fact that not only are we blessed by God, but this is an amazing thought. You see, we live in a culture that is not very good at what we're going to talk about today. And yet it is something that we all have a desire for in our lives. It's something we all need. It's something we all want. But we're not very good at giving it. Scripture, in an amazing way, shows us that the very thing that we want and need is something that God will give us in Christ. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that from Ephesians chapter 1, the rest of chapter 1, we find out that not only are we blessed, but I am appreciated. You ever felt underappreciated? You ever felt like, boy, they just don't know what I'm doing for them? Man, if they, you know, I wish they could just, I wish I could know that they cared or they, they had, that they understood, you know, that they understood what I'm doing. I mean, you know, um, uh, I, I've done all this work, I've done all this stuff. Nobody seems to appreciate it. Nobody seems to care. Nobody ever seems to think, well, he did a good job. Nobody even notices what I've done. I just wish somebody would notice. Everybody ever been there? A little bit? Parents to children, children to parents, spouses, siblings, co-workers. I just wish they would notice. In fact, I found this study this week that was kind of interesting. They did a, they did a survey at two, um, two or three colleges in Ohio and New York. And they were asking that the, the goal of the study was to measure the uh, students' goals, what their desires were, what the top things students wanted in college. And when they got through with the study, it didn't have anything to do at the top with what they thought. In fact, the result pointed to one clear desire. University student, students wanted experience that boosted their self-esteem, such as a compliment or a good grade, more than anything else. They wanted to feel appreciated. And I think that's important because we live in a society that is probably less appreciative than it has ever been. I mean, we, we live in a society that is rude and critical and demanding. If you don't believe me, just sit in a restaurant for a while and watch how people treat waiters and waitresses. Or think about your own life. When something doesn't go exactly like you think it ought to, I mean, I was thinking about this week, I... Uh, one day at lunch, I thought, I, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a few minutes. I want to get out and get me a good, nice, healthy lunch. You know, something that will energize me and get me back to the office good. And so I went to McDonald's. And, uh, okay, well, not healthy, but good. Anybody, you know, we can say whatever you want to about McDonald's. I don't know what they put in the food. It's good, right? Now, you acting like it's not. It's good, right? I mean, it, it tastes good. So I, I'm driving into McDonald's, and I get to McDonald's, and and if you've been in the last week or so, you've seen that there's a sign there advertising a new product they have. And they've got football players on it, and they are now selling 
hot wings at McDonald's. Because nothing says hot wings like McDonald's. So I'm sitting there and I see the sign. And for some reason, you know, I mean, it's great advertising. In my mind, I think that's what I've got to have for lunch. I've got to have some of those hot wings. They, you know, just I'm going to do that. So I order it, hot wings, fries and a drink. Go through, you know, pay, you know that. Go to the first window and pay. Good day, good day, good to see you. Go to the second window, sit there for a second, and then you hear the words that you never want to hear. Could you please pull to number one? Right? So I pull up to number one, thinking that's 30 seconds a minute, I'm good, you know. About five minutes in, I'm thinking, do they know how important I am and what I'm missing for these? No, because I'm not. But they, what's going on here? Ten minutes in. They've forgotten about me. They don't even know I'm out here anymore. What is going on? And as I am preparing, I'm stewing. I know none of you would do that. But as I'm sitting there, don't they have a 30-second guarantee, you know, at lunchtime? I'm thinking through all this stuff. As as I'm about to open the door, thinking they have forgotten about me and my hot wings, I'm beginning to open the door, and I see the girl come out the door, carrying a little package, hands me the sack through the window, and she says to me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's just how long it takes to cook these. Now, in that moment, my mind starts spinning. You know, I mean, the business sense of me, if you're going to advertise something that prominently, have some ready. And so, just out of my mouth, this is confession right here, I say, really? It takes you that long? Now, I know none of you would do that, right? At least I've been with you when things haven't gone, you know. So everybody but Lisa, that one come out of your mouth, all right? Amen. It has, has kind of, you know, I mean, and I said it in a pretty snarky kind of way. And so as she does that, she goes, yes, I apologize. And she hands me a card for a free meal the next time I come. That's when you feel really bad, right? Like, man. But it just, I, I, you, you sit there and you think, we want people to understand how important we are. Whether we're important or not, most of us in our own minds have a sense of importance. We want people to recognize us. We want people to evaluate us. We want people to appreciate us. And we live in a world that doesn't do that very well. Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. This is why it says, you see, in verses 30 through 14, he had said, basically, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about all the things he appreciates that God does for us. And then he transitions in verse 15 and says, this is why. Now, he's going to tell us not only is the Christian one who appreciates Jesus, but this is mind-blowing. This is amazing to me. He's going to remind us that a Christian is also one whom Jesus appreciates. Verse 15 says, for this reason. Because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease doing what? Giving thanks for you. Now, here's what I want you to do for a minute, okay? I believe that, that Scripture is words that God gave to human authors for His people. And so I believe that as God is speaking through Paul to the Ephesians, it is as if God is speaking to the Ephesians. And I think and I believe 
that it's not just meant for these people that received this letter 2,000 years ago for the first time. I believe that just as God spoke to Paul, that the words that he spoke to Paul on that day in that letter to those people are just as important and just as true to us today. And so what I want you to do is I want you to hear this not from a letter being written to a people centuries ago. I want you to hear this as a letter from God or from the hand of Paul to you. And think about this. He's speaking to all his people. Including us 2,000 years later. And he says, I'm thankful for you. How would it change the course of your day? Your life. If you knew that God paid attention to your life, not just to find out the bad stuff you're doing, but because he cared and he was thankful for your obedience and your generosity and your service and your sacrifice and that Jesus appreciates you. You see, we talk a lot of times about the omniscience of God, which is that God knows what? All things. He knows everything. And a lot of times as preachers, we're really good at harping about the fact that, listen, God knows everything. So he knows what you're doing in secret. What is secret will come to light. He knows all the bad stuff you're doing. You can't fool God. You can't mock God. You can't get things over on God. But the thing that I think we miss oftentimes is not that God is looking out as us like a cosmic kind of policeman saying, when is he going to mess up? When is he going to mess up? That God's omniscience also knows all those times that you are faithful when you don't give in to temptation, when you are generous, when you're especially Thoughtful of others. And he's appreciative of that in you. God knows all. He sees all. He knows all of our sin. But he also sees our obedience, our service, our generosity. He sees not just when you're greedy, but when you're generous. Not just when you're lazy, but when you're serving faithfully. No, others may not appreciate it, but your children may not recognize what you're doing for them. May your parents that have moved back into you and you're taking care of may not acknowledge what you have done for them. They are acknowledged by God. Now, imagine you and I got this letter and we're receiving it from Paul. It's hard to think of anyone outside of Jesus that we could esteem. If you're the Ephesians, if you're the people there, there's nobody outside of Jesus that you think more of in human form probably than Paul, the guy who helped start the church. In fact, this church had had some great teachers. Paul had been there. Luke had been there. John had been there. I mean, those are kind of big-time dudes. And you're hearing from them, Paul, in a prison cell, saying, I am thankful for you. Now he tells him what he's thankful for. He says, I'm thankful for you because of your love, because of your faith in the Lord and your love for the saints. If you're here, you love Jesus and you love the church, this is the word of God for you. If you don't love Jesus or you don't love the church, then God's word says that those are the two most important things that you can do. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your love towards all the saints. And the love here means that you're praying for people. You're giving. You're serving. You're caring. You inconvenience yourself to help others in your community. He says, I'm thankful for you. Now, the truth is, not only are we not good at giving appreciation, we're not good at receiving it either. 
And if I walked up to you today and I just looked at you and I said, I just want to thank you. I thank God for you all the time. Sometimes we're trained to like be like, oh, it's not me. It's not me. It's the Lord. It's always the Lord in me. And Yeah, I know it is. Okay. But we need to learn to receive the appreciation. God, you ever tried to tell somebody thank you and they kind of bristle at it? No, 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 no. It's not, I don't really need, I don't need, I'm, I'm good. You need to learn to receive the appreciation. Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayer. There are some of you here that right now in life, the only thing you need to hear from this entire sermon is that somebody appreciates you. You've been serving in anonymity or you've been living a life of quiet desperation. You're trying, you're working, you don't know how to get it all together. But you just need to hear that God sees and understands and appreciates. Now, I'm not saying that we don't need to give appreciation to one another. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But for me, my prayer is, my hope is, that that would be enough. Because most of us get really upset when people don't appreciate us. In fact, we're going to talk in just a minute about what that can kind of lead to and the alternatives to it. But the goal I want you to see is, first of all, that you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are someone that is loving the Lord, He appreciates you. He is thankful for you. And here's what I want us to understand. When we truly understand that in our lives, when we truly get that concept that we're appreciated, it is so much easier to give it out. Appreciated people appreciate. People that understand that their work is good, that they've been, they've, somebody is noticing, someone's taking stock of them, someone recognizes them, it makes it easier to then appreciate other people. Paul's going to remind them of some things that need to happen there because what happens is when we feel unappreciated, when we don't understand our place, the thing that we begin to do is say, goodness gracious, I, I just have a hard time telling other people thank you or congratulations or I appreciate you. In fact, what I want you to see is that once you feel that appreciation from the Lord, it begins to work itself into your life and you begin to see some changes happening. In fact, appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Anybody here ever grumble? Yes. Yesterday I was sitting on the couch, and uh, actually in the recliner, had TV on. And when our quarterback decided to uh, let the ball slip out of his hand and land in a 300-pound defensive lineman's chest and the Florida guys running down the field, I'm a Tennessee fan, you know, there was some grumbling going on. My kids were playing. I was the only one in the room. Nothing was thrown at the television. But there was some grumbling going on. Why do we put him in the game? What are we doing? What are we thinking? Why are we calling that play? What is going on? You know, I mean, I, am, I really am surprised. They don't call and consult me on major decisions, you know, because I have the answers. They just haven't tapped into that. I mean, I have been following this program since I was a kid. I know what would help. I know what would work. And this is, come on, let's go. Another nine years. We have waited nine years. And we're going on ten because there's no way we're getting better next year. I mean, you know, just 
You've been there, right? Maybe not with a sports team, but maybe just in life in general. And you start to grumble and complain. The word in the Scripture uses oftentimes is one of those words that even as you say it, it gives the kind of the attitude that you have. It's, it's, not, it's not just grumbling, it's murmuring. You begin to just think negatively and all the things happen. My boss, they never even notice what I'm doing. My kids never say thanks. My parents that I'm helping out after looking after them don't even appreciate it. They begin to crumble and complain. But what's the answer? What, what is the solution to grumbling? What we see here from Paul's life, what we see here in the Scripture, is that Paul answers grumbling and complaining with prayer. See, grumbling is talking to other people about other people. Right? Or complaining to other people about other people. Now, sometimes it's complaining about someone to that same someone, but oftentimes it's complaining about someone to someone else. Well, prayer is complaining or talking about someone to God. We talked about this a little bit last week, but where is Paul when he's writing this letter? Does anybody know? He's in jail, right? What's he in jail for? Did he knock off a convenience store? No, he did not. Drug trafficking, is that what he's in jail for? What's he in jail for? For preaching. We're talking about Jesus. Now, if anybody could grumble or complain, it could be Paul. Listen, I'm trying to do the only thing that matters in the world. I'm trying to do the best thing in the world. And what does it get me? It gets me stuck in jail. From what we know, he doesn't have a wife. He's poor. Doesn't make any money. His life's hard. He's walked up to 20 miles a day. He's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been homeless. He's been left for dead. He's been out on the open sea. Now he's in jail preaching the gospel. Nobody appreciates me. Nobody understands me. Now, I'm going to guess, and I may be wrong, that none of you have had a life as difficult as Paul's. Now, and you don't have to come and prove to me that you have, all right? My guess is most of us have not. And yet he's sitting here and he tells the Ephesians, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And I pray. Every letter we have, Paul talks about his prayers for these churches. In fact, and sometimes we read them and we read them like a book, like something um, that, that's kind of stayed, something that's kind of old and, and firm and something that, that, that is not passionate. But what we get the sense of is that Paul is in his jail cell on a regular basis, on his knees, passionately crying out to the Lord. Appreciated people exchange grumbling for praying. Here's the second thing. Appreciated people exchange competing for celebrating. Anybody here competitive? We've discovered at our house, you know, the, all the books and stuff say have family game nights. You know, have a good family experience. We've discovered that our house family game nights turns into family. I'm going to kill you in this game nights. Right. I'm going to destroy you. In fact, we have discovered that game nights only work when we're all on the same team. And even then, if one of us makes a mistake that costs us in the game, we easily turn on one another. Anybody, anybody have experiences? Anybody there? Thank you. I see those hands. Amen. All right. In fact, we were playing... Um, I was thinking about... All right. We were playing Wii Party, I don't know, 412, whatever they're on now. I think we party nine. All right, anybody played one of those games? Okay, four of us, good. 
That's why Nintendo's not doing so well, all right? Um, and so we're playing it. We're all around. And the, the people that are playing are, um, we, we have like five controls. So it's Susan and myself and Eli and Luke and Maddie. And we're playing one of those multiplayer games, and, and Maddie's playing for Susan. And so we're playing, and I realize suddenly in the midst of this that three of us are yelling at Maddie to do something. Y'all know how old Maddie is? Just turn the thing. Just do it this way. Push one. Push one. I don't know. What, she doesn't know what one is. She hasn't. Just push the one button. Push A. Push. I can't. You know, she's not going, Dad, I can't read. But it's like, what? I don't know where it is. She's just pushing stuff. Like, I, and I was like, we probably need to, you know, calm down the competition here. All right? So, so if we all get invited to a family game night at our house, y'all know that we have other plans. Right? But in life in general, we're competitive people. When people around us do well, we don't necessarily do well with it because we think that their advancement means that we are being pulled back. Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And sometimes it's easier to do the weeping with those that weep than to rejoice with the one that got the promotion or that got the job or that got the raise or the new car with the person that is getting the things that you want. But what it tells us here from Paul is Paul's looking out at this and he realizes that that these people need to understand who they are in Christ. And he says to them that he is praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of revelation. And what he wants them to realize is this, is the reason we don't have to be competitive is because we already have everything we need. He says, I want you to open up their minds to the knowledge of him, having our eyes of our hearts enlightened, that we may know the hope to which he has called us, that we may know the glorious inheritance of his and the saints. We may know what the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. He's saying, listen, you don't have to be competitive because when you realize you're accepted by the Lord, when you realize you're acknowledged by the Lord, when you realize he says that I see you and I value you, you don't have to have other stuff. In fact, what he says here is that I want you to see these three things. First of all, I want you to see the hope because you were a people that were hopeless. You were in sin. You had nowhere to go. You didn't have any way to get out of it. You were desperately sinful, departed away from God. And God has called you. He has rescued you. He has taken you out of that and given you a hope and a future and a promise of eternal life. It is something to celebrate that God has rescued you from hopelessness to hope. And then he says, and I want you to realize the importance, the the vastness of his inheritance in you. Now, I want you to understand, that's not our inheritance. That's not our prize. That's not our treasure. What he's saying is that he wants you to realize that you are God's treasure. You are his most important possession. You are his inheritance. So not only have we just been rescued from a desperate situation, we have been made the most important thing to the almighty God of the universe. We have been accepted as his treasure, but not just that. He has given us the strength to make it through today. And as Paul often does, he starts just getting words and piling them on top of each other. They kind of mean the same thing. He says immeasurably great strength working in his power. 
Those are all words that have to do with strength and power and the ability to make it through whatever is coming our way. He says he has not only rescued you, made you his prime possession, but he has given you the strength it takes to make it through the life that's going to be in front of you. Just an amazing thing to realize. Why in the world are we worried when other people get temporal things when we have been given the most precious gifts that have ever been? Oftentimes, in the sense of life, when we walk through, and I'm not saying that there aren't difficult days, there aren't problematic days, but oftentimes, as we're walking through life, we are like children that get a great gift, and all we care about is complaining about the box it came in. Because God has given us so much, we have to continually remind ourselves of what we have. And when we are appreciated, we exchange competing for celebrating with others. One of the things I love about this passage, it reminds us that there's always new things to learn about Christ. There's always new things to get involved with with Christ. And the thing is that when we learn, the more we learn, the more we are astounded by His grace and love, and the more we are propelled forward to serve Him. Here's the last exchange. Appreciated people exchange bitterness for thankfulness. You know what happens when we grumble and complain and it leads to this sense of upset and competition when people around us are getting things that they th- we think they don't deserve or that we deserve? Is suddenly in our spirit we become bitter about what's happening. Bitterness is one of those things that some people just naturally kind of flow through. And what we learn in this passage of Scripture is that bitterness is that thing that we need to turn into thankfulness. Now, it's not always that easy. Somebody I read this week said that some people just look at people that naturally get bitter and say, well, just don't get bitter. And for some people, that's just kind of how they are. Over in Ephesians 1, 21 through 23, talks about Jesus being far above rule and authority and power. He's over spirits, angels, demons, everything, everybody, dominion, every name that can come to mind. Not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he's had everything put under his feet. So Jesus rules over all. And he gave him his head, the supreme, the preeminent, over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. Jesus is basically saying, listen, when you begin to get better and you think, you know what, how come they're healthy and I'm sick? How come they're rich and I'm poor? How come they're married and I'm single? How come they're having kids and I can't? How come they don't do anything and people really love them? And I try all the time and nobody appreciates me. Jesus says, I've given you myself as a gift. And I'm taking care of all of that. And I'm ruling and reigning. And someday, someday, you will be recognized for your faithfulness to me. Paul's thankful in the passage for two things, really. He's thankful for Jesus and he's thankful for the church. He says, because of those two things, I have a hope and a future and my past is cleared up. Appreciated people appreciate. This weekend, Susan, with several women from our church, went to a a conference in Chattanooga. And so... um, I was left with the four children. I'm just glad Susan thought I was capable of 
handling all four children for the weekend. So she left Friday and we had Friday and Saturday. She got home last night. But Friday, the boys are in school and and we were uh, expecting we've had some stuff going on in our house and an insurance agent was coming over to look at some some damage we've had. And so he was coming over after lunch and I'd worked all morning to get everything just perfect for when he was coming. And, and I put Ava down for a nap and she was asleep. And so I was trying to get Maddie involved in something. So the insurance agent got there. I could just talk with him. And so she, I said, what do you, you want to do? And she said, I want to watch TV. I said, okay, what do you want to watch? And she says, I'll watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Anybody seen Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? Three of us. Good. All right. How many of you know Mr. Rogers? You know Mr. Rogers? There we go. All right. Well, Daniel's Tiger's Neighborhood is a new PBS show that takes place in the land of make-believe from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with Daniel Tiger and King Prince Wednesday and King whatever, Prince Friday, King Wednesday, whatever it is, right? All those make-believe people. And so I, I said, okay, let's find one. So I got on Netflix and I found Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And some of you can go home today and watch it. I know you're excited about that. Um, and there was one on there called The Thank You Tree. Grandpair Visits. So I turned it on and said, okay, let's, you know, this is good. She's going to sit down and watch it. And I just sit down with her while I'm waiting on the insurance guy to get there. And so the show is about thankfulness. And Maddie loves it when I sit with her in the recliner and she kind of fits in that little spot beside it. And we kind of rock and she watches TV. She just loves that moment, that, I, that, that place. And so we're watching it, and it's about who you're thankful for and what you're thankful for. And the town, the make-believe town, has a huge celebration. They have a tree in the middle. At the end of that, what they do is they all go, and they get around the tree, and as they're around the tree, they write out what they're thankful for and who they're thankful for. But one of the things that they do in there is they tell the person they're writing about that they wrote it before they can put it on the tree. So it's a neat little show, you know, PBS, good message for kids. So... It's going off, and they're doing the credits. And Maddie just looks up at me, and she says, Dad, I would write that I'm thankful for you. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. I was like, is somebody videotaping that? I mean, can I, call, can I call the NSA that's videotaping everything we do and say, hey, can I get that? Uh, and just, you know, because in about 10 years, I'm going to need that. All right, Remember what you used to say? Let me show you. All right. Now, listen, you, I mean, you know, as a dad, you know how that made me feel, right? Just amazing. And I was thinking about this passage, and I was thinking about this story, and I was thinking about appreciated people and what it means to feel appreciated. And I just thought, okay, God has called us as appreciated people to appreciate others. And so here's the question I'm going to end with, and we're going to be done today. As you settle on the fact that God appreciates you, that you are chosen in Christ, you are called in Christ, you are set free in Christ, you are His precious possession in Christ, you have been given strength and power that is unlike any other. We're going to talk in a week or two about the fact that that power is the same as what raised Jesus from the dead. Who do you need to appreciate? Who do you need to thank? And as a specific application of what we've talked about today, I'm going to ask you this week to thank somebody. Write them a note. Write them an email. Give them a phone call. Meet them for lunch. And just say thanks. Now, we don't have a tree to go put it on after that. But just say thanks. And see how your life begins to change as you move towards appreciating other people. Let's pray.